Well, thank you, everyone. It's wonderful to be here, and just um, it's been some years now. Um, but we, as Bill and myself, I don't think I've preached here since I've been married, have I? I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't remember. Have I? Uh, not with Boulder, or have I? I can't remember. Okay, you've got a better memory than me. <laughs> let me. So, um, let me just see what's going on here. Um, yeah, so it's wonderful to be back and just to be able to just share and be together. We've had a wonderful weekend and um, we love this place. We love what God is doing here. Um, many, we love all the friends that we've got here and many times um, Bill will just talk about what's happening here. This Bless Basil and Shirley and um, darling Emma, um, Kim and Laureen, um, Jeff, Jeff Kidwell. He and Jeff knew me when I first started ministering. I was privileged to minister in his church. Margot's been here for so long and just um, Nadine and everyone. So it feels like we've come home, but um, there's... <laughs> There is a responsibility on ministering here, and I just don't take that for granted tonight. So just a wonderful air of worship and heaven, um, the heavens are opened. And I felt as I was just preparing um, this week that God wanted to just give me a um, more of a prophetic preaching type of message, which is a word for Josh, Jen, and just to hear um, as this congregation, as the leadership of Josh, Jen. So, Lord, we thank you that you give us um, ears to hear, that you give us eyes to see. Thank you for opening up your spirit realm to us this night, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you're expanding us in the realm of the spirit, expanding our mandate, our territory, Lord, uh, the influence, everything that you're doing with this movement, Lord. We say thank you this night in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was praying, um, I really just felt that, um, you know, the Lord wanted to really uh, commend Josh Jen and commend the leadership. And, and so as I was just thinking, he was bringing these things to my mind and just showing me that... Um, the one thing that he, well, there are many things that he commends uh, the Josh Jen movement, the leadership for. Um, he commends them for their leadership and the integrity of their leadership. He commends um, uh, Andrew and Emsey and all the leaders of Josh Jen for your integrity and, and for um, walking so strongly according to the word, um, you know, um, observing the principles of the word. Um, he commends Josh Jen for its incredible growth, you know, that here's a, a movement that in the midst of COVID <laughs> that could just grow. I remember when um, uh, Kim was just sharing the figures with us and, you know, I would go home and I would be thinking about this and thinking this is truly a supernatural work of God. And um, there's so many 
um, churches that I come across and leaders that I come across, um, the churches, you know, they're battling to get their people back to church. Nobody has grown. In fact, the finances are down. Um, ministers are having to go and work. And, and it just uh, um, the whole dynamic of the church has just been so upset. But here's a movement that has continued to grow. And, and, and somehow I was just stirred so much to think about this, and, and the Lord brought me to um, um, just focus on the fact that this truly is a New Testament movement, amen, it's a New Testament church, it, the church grew in the book of Acts, and a tremendous trial and, and persecution, it grew, and this is what's happened to this movement, amen, so I use it as an example for pastors that are really down and depressed, okay, the, <laughs> The, the, the other thing that the Lord commends this movement for is the depth of relationship and the mandate of family. And just as I was praying, I just saw, you know, how God has put um, a grace for family on this church. You, everyone is part of a family here, your, your community groups. It really, there's this tremendous family atmosphere and, and, um, whenever we travel, you know, Bill will always say there's this movement in South Africa that says, you know, my food is your food. My um, fridge is your fridge. And, and these are the kind of things that you don't hear in other movements, you know. These are things you don't hear in, in other churches. And so that just shows the depth of the relationship and the commitment and the um, the love for one another. The Lord also commends this movement for its generosity, that um, people are just so generous and their hearts are just so open here. Um, the Lord also commends the movement for the love of service, that you just, you serve, that you have such a heart to serve one another and that you have such a heart to serve the community, that you have such a heart to serve um, even um, in the city. The Lord um, commends, as I said earlier, um, for the purity and the strength of leadership and the fact that the church is still preaching Jesus. This is a major thing that, you know, in um, so many places, um, and maybe some of you can't relate to this because maybe you're not in um, full-time ministry or that, but so many churches... Jesus is never mentioned, you know, it's this motivational stuff and how can I look good and be good and all this, but Jesus is truly the center here, amen. And so as I, want, as I was praying, um, I felt that the Lord is just encouraging you, wants to encourage you through this word um, that I'm going to bring you now. And so... Um, I want to just focus a little bit tonight on um, on the spirit realm and the movement. You know, in these days, God is not only looking for a people um, based in the word, but he's looking for people of word and spirit. And when we understand the days that we are living in and the time and the seasons, that's the one thing about the um, tribe of Issachar, they understood the times and the seasons, and they knew exactly what to do, the scripture says, um, and how to react, how to respond, and the changes that Israel needed to make. So um, Jesus, um, in um, 
ministering to his disciples, he starts off in Matthew 16, and these scriptures will probably be on the screen now, Matthew 16, verse 13. So Jesus is questioning his disciples, and he says to Peter, who do you say I am? Okay, and um, Peter answers, some say Elijah, some say John, and, and you can just read that there. But then in verse 16, he says, Simon, um, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Simon answers, you are Christ, the son of the living God. In verse 17, Jesus answers and says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so he goes on, and, and he, by that he's referring to the level of revelation that Peter has actually seen that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, blessed are you, Simon. He's, he's had a revelation in his spirit. Okay, He's had a revelation from the Holy Spirit. And this isn't, isn't some you know, um, cuckoo type of revelation in heaven that people often think you know, these are spiritual things, and, but it's not for me. So he goes on and he, he says... Um, and I tell you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Upon this rock of revelation of who I am, the revelation of Christ, okay? And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Then he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he says in um, the midst of what's taking place around him. And it's very important that we understand the context of the scripture, okay? He says, I'm going to give you keys for governing. I'm going to give you keys for um, moving in, the, in a dimension of the spirit. I'm going to give you keys um, um, to, um, you know, unlock the things of heaven here on earth, all right? And so if we understand... Um, the, 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 the background to what he's saying here. He's, he's speaking in a, excuse me, he's speaking in a town, um, Caesarea, which is in Philippi, and this is a Roman town. Now, the government of the day was the Roman Empire, okay? Jesus, in his ministry, he had to operate within, um, his uh, Hebrew context, he was a Hebrew, he had to operate within the synagogue, um, he had to go to the synagogue and read the law, uh, the first five books, he, he's a Jew, um, but yet the government of the day was the Roman Empire. All right, it's similar here, we have a church here, the government of Cape Town is the DA government, so we're having to live within the context of the DA government, and, and, and so... And they had to observe those rules. They had to live in that context. But here's a little town. It's a Roman town. And this particular town was the center of occult worship. Okay. Um, the temple of Augustus Caesar was built there. The temple of the goddess Pan. And he says um, that this is the place of the gates of hell. All right. So... These gates was a physical location, Hades. This, um, it was a cave, and it was a cave where um, human sacrifices would be offered. All right, so um, if I think of the equivalent in, 
under a DA government in the context of Cape Town and, and the Western Cape. Um, the, apparently, I'm, I don't have uh, just what I've been told, the Satanist church has started here near Century City. Okay, So here's a place where occult worship, here's a place where the devil is worshipped. And so Jesus um, is with his disciples and he says to Simon, who do you say I am? At this very place of Hades, where Caesar Augusta, um, the center of occult worship, the temple of goddess, the goddess Pan, all this idol worship, um, um, these orgies were taking place. So he takes Peter to this place, which is, you could say, is hell, <laughs> okay, where all this unclean occult worship was taking place. And he says to him, who do you say I am? And then he says, in this place, I want you to know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So he's saying, even though there's all this um, that's going on around you, even though, you know, we're living in a DA um, and we're living in an I'm just, I'm not preaching politics, but we're living in an ANC, under an ANC government, or it could be some other government. Hell um, is all around us, in a way, okay? We have um, um, principalities, we have things that are happening, we see prostitution on the streets, we see abortion, we see all these things, you know, pimps and, and whatever, you know, drugs. I mean, in Johannesburg, you can get drugs on every second corner. So this is, these are the gates of hell. And he says, in this place, in Hades, I want you to know that upon this rock, the rock of revelation, and no matter what is coming against you in all these circumstances, you might feel like you're in hell tonight, okay? You might feel like Hades is pressing against you. You're in this cave. He says, on the rock of revelation, you, Peter, you, Mary, you, Jane, um, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against you. So Caesarea represented the government of Caesar, and this was the Roman Empire. Pan represented idolatry and the devil in person. It was his territory because there's certain places in the earth that you can go to. For example, in South Africa, if you go to Pumalanga, Mount Moriah is a place that is dedicated to um, the ancestors. It's dedicated to the devil himself and and our government goes there to make all kinds of sacrifices so that they can get more power. So um, Caesarea and, and um, the Roman Empire was very evil. It, it, it was um, highly um, um, controlling. Um, they, you know, it was a very powerful empire, and they, they owned more land um, than any other empire. We'll see how... They built roads and they built buildings. It was very, very technically advanced. But in the execution there was, um, of governance, um, it was very evil. There was a lot of slavery. And, 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 and so these were, um, this is what the church, um, the early church, if I can put it this way, were having to live under. Although they were in Jerusalem, okay, they were in Israel, um, the Roman Empire was ruling at that day. And so um, 
if we look, if we um, think about this aspect of the gates of hell, um, it's a place or a realm where evil is so entrenched. So you and I tonight would never want to go to the Satanist church, okay? We would never want to go to Moriah. We, we would never want to go up to a place maybe in what, Milnerton or wherever on that street, you know, where there's all these pimps, Hillbrow in Johannesburg, you know, Windsor Park in Johannesburg, you can get drugs on every second corner. Um, and even the police are too scared to go to Windsor Park. Literally, it's, it's true. So um, Jesus demonstrates this, okay, and he says to them, I've given you authority to tread. I've given you authority to live within this, all this evil. I've given you authority. And in, all the, in the midst of all this evil, we see um, the power of the Spirit coming down. We see um, a, a strong church being raised up, okay? And then we see, um, I'm just going to give us two more examples here. We see Paul, okay? Um, he, he's raised as an apostle, and he's not only called to the Jews, but he's called to the Gentiles. And he goes off to Corinth, okay? Now, Corinth was a city under the Roman Empire, and he says here in Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not with weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Okay. So why was he writing this particular, what is the context that he's writing this in? Well, he wrote to the Corinthian church. And here was a church, okay, that operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Here was a church... um, you know, they um, knew the uh, nine gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. They operated in faith. They operated, you know, here was the, the spirit. But he writes to them about all their sexual problems <laughs> that are taking place, their, their practices, if I can put it this way. And he says to them, you know, he's rebuking them. Now, I once um, watched a... Um, a, a commentary on, on Corinth. And, and, and um, in certain places in Corinth, there were what you call strongholds, and, and there were mountains. And, and the, the, um, the Romans would go up, or the Corinthians would go up to these mountains, and they would have all kinds of um, interaction with these spirits, you know, and um, demon spirits, um, with all kinds of sexual stuff. And it was truly, truly um, evil. So he says to them, he's rebuking these Christians because he says, you living like this, here's all the gifts of the Spirit, but look how you are in your private world. All right? And he says to them, now it's time that you start to take um, and you understand this warfare that you're in. Okay, although you've got the gifts as a spirit, and this is the problem with the grace message, you know, grace has been given to us um, to overcome. Grace has been given to us to live according to the world, not uh, the word, not according to the world, and practice all these things. So he says to them in verse three, he says, "For though we live in this world, we're not waging war as the world does." Okay, he says, "The weapons that we have been given, you have weapons tonight." 
are not weapons of the world. They have divine power. These weapons have divine power to demolish these strongholds, to demolish all these um, sexual practices that are taking place in Corinth. Okay? Then he goes on and he says to them, we demolish these arguments. You must demolish arguments in your mind and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, everything that's contrary to the word. He says, you've got to take these thoughts captive and be obedient to Christ. And, and you know, there's a scripture that says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So what Paul is saying to this, um, the church in Corinth, he says, you've got to grow in your discernment. You've got to begin to understand now that you can't be living one way and, you know, demonstrating the things of the Spirit. And so their response, these Corinthian churches, now maybe you thought you'd get a bit more um, lighter message on a Sunday night, okay? <laughs> but um, you'll see what I'm coming to. So um, um, he says here, um, you know, you're fighting back with carnal weapons. And so what they were doing was, um, instead of putting the belt of truth around them, they were um, fighting with manipulation, okay? Instead of the breastplate of righteousness, they were more concerned with the image of success, these, this church in Corinth. Instead of the shoes of the gospel, they were just answering with smooth words, and they would always be counteracting Paul's um, apostolic grace and ministry to them. They had an answer for everything. Instead of the shield of faith, they would answer with the perception of their own power. Okay? Um, instead of dealing with these things that were coming against them with the helmet of salvation, they would fight it by standing and counteracting Paul's authority, okay? Ever been in that place where your leader says to you, I want you to do this, the ABC? No, no, I've got my own authority. I'll do what I want. <laughs> well, this is the problem with the Corinthian church. Instead of the sword of the Spirit, they were fighting with human schemes and programs. So here was a carnal people. And, and Paul is saying to them, you know, here in the midst of everything that's taking place, all these mountains where all this activity, because there were certain places that were dedicated to this activity, he says, you've got to rise up now. You've got to become a people that are strong in the spirit. You've got to um, stand against, because the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. When the word of the Lord comes to you, you can't answer with carnal means. Um, when your thoughts come against you, and, and you can't just entertain these thoughts. And he's saying to them, the weapons of your warfare. So there was a war. What was there a war for? There was a war for um, the believer. There was a war for the church. There was a war... Um, for the name of the church. There was a war for Jesus' name to be brought under. And, and even in South Africa here, you know, with all our legal representatives and, and what's happening in our nation, there's a war for the church. There's a war for worship. There's a war for Jesus' name. There's a war for, um, um, you know, for community like this. I mean, wasn't it just so wonderful when we could all get back together? Amen. 
And so there's a war, there's a war. And he's saying that um, you in your own personal um, walk now, there's the gates of hell are against you. You are going to experience Hades in some place, all right? Each one of us tonight have some kind of Hades that we're having to stand against. Okay, so once Paul is um, finished with Corinth, and remember, um, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, all right? And so he goes on and he goes from Rome, that's Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, or Galatians, Ephesians, whatever, and he goes through all, all of Europe, all right? And then he comes to Ephesus, okay? So he's still um, laying foundation, he's still building the church, you know, for um, and the, the Gentile believers, okay? And, and, and um, if you I always remember one thing Andrew always said, if you want to um, know what took place in, in the early church, read Acts, okay? I've always done that. <laughs> so read Acts if you really want to know the model of the early church. And then he comes um, to Ephesus. So what was the problem now with Ephesus? Because he says in Ephesians chapter 6, and he's telling them there he's on about warfare again. Okay, So he lays this foundation and he writes, and he says in Ephesians 1 verses 18 and 19, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and that you would know the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present, but also in the age to come. So he's praying for these um, uh, Christians in Ephesus. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, your spiritual eyes, that you would begin to see. Just like um, Elijah prayed for Gehazi and said, open his eyes. Let him see that there's so many more for him than against him. Amen. Let us see that there's so many more fighting for us in this nation, amen, (coughs) excuse me, than against us. So why was he praying this? Well, if we study Ephesus, okay, and what was taking place in Ephesus? Paul writes, and he he gives a, um, a, a great dialogue, he writes about the church being the bride of Christ, amen, and we sang that tonight, we're going to meet our bridegroom. And he also lays the foundation about the family. Husband, love your wife's wife. Submit to your husband's. And, and there are various um, pictures of the church that, that he writes about. Okay, And then he comes to Ephesians 6 and he says to the church, be strong. Okay, So why, why did they need to be strong? Why was he, and I'll, we'll read Ephesians 6 now. Well, Ephesus was the center of occult worship. Ephesus was the goddess Diana that was worshipped in all the world, uh, the Roman world. And what they would do is Demetrius the silversmith would make artifacts. He would he he got his um, his uh, you know his salary and um, his payment from making these artifacts in the form of goddess 
Diana, okay? And he would sell them. And so it's just like our African witchcraft today. What they would do is they would bless these artifacts and people would take them home. And then the goddess Diana, they would get power from them. Just like our leaders go to Mount Moriah or they go to Pumalanga and they get power, you know, from these um, spirits and, and whatever have you. Well, this was taking place in Ephesus. So here Paul in his apostolic call comes into Ephesus, walks into Ephesus. And by the authority that is on him, okay, he, he begins to upset the whole dynamic of the city. Okay. And he's almost thrown out of the city. And here we see that this principality, this power is dethroned. And, and he begins to... Um, upset the, the, the dynamic of worship in the city. Okay, so then he says here in Ephesians 6, he says, verses 10 to 13, he says to the church, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay, saying to the church, I'm just about to leave here now, but you must be strong. And, and that original in the he, Greek, he says, continue to be strong in the Lord. Continue to put on his strength, okay? It's a continuous, it's not a once-off situation. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you would be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he says, take to you the whole armor of God that you would be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Okay, so just like the Corinthians, instead of um, coming in the opposite spirit with the whole armor of God, okay, instead of the um, gift of faith, instead of the breastplate of righteousness, instead of the helmet of salvation, without thinking, what are we thinking about, what are we meditating on. They were, they were trying to fight this war in their own flesh, in the opposite spirit. So he says, having done all to stand, the, um, the, the scripture also says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Okay. So he's saying, although Ephesus is a place now where the church is going to grow, he says there's still going to be times where the enemy is going to stand against you. There's, there's still going to be a war in your flesh, okay? Some of you might be born again and you've renounced um, these, um, this worship to the goddess Diana, but the enemy is still going to come and question you. And he says, stand, okay? Having done all to stand, keep standing. And so it's very interesting because if you look at the picture of the armor in the Roman Empire, they had sandals on them with studs, you know, and these um, boots, these sandals are just like the soccer boots, but they had very, very long studs. And so when the, the, um, the soldier would go out to fight, he would stand like this, and, and, and he would have a shield that would cover his whole body. So he's standing like this, and he's got the shield in front of him so that nobody can um, remove him from his position, okay? And, and, and as he went out, he would go on the offensive, and he'd have um, the sword of the spirit, and um, we'd have it on our lips, and, and we'd be 
praising and, and we'd been, be speaking the word. And so he's saying, um, therefore take the whole armor that you would be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. So what is the context for this in terms of our own personal space, our own personal beings? We are in an evil day. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the scripture says sin is increasing, but God's grace is increasing. Um, it's, I've never felt in um, this year, I've, I've never felt such an attack of witchcraft against me um, in all the years that I've been serving God. I had a, um, I don't want to go too much over time, um, last week, two weeks ago, I was asked to do a meeting. It was a three-day conference Online and it was with a Canadian church, and this church is a, it's um, IHOP, um, Mike Bickle. It's one of the, the plants um, in Canada, in Calgary, and um, it was their Bible school. And in the second morning, and so I had to wake up at three in the morning get, to get myself ready for four o'clock. So <laughs> on the second morning, um, I started to just minister the word of the Lord. And I was teaching, and suddenly these noises start coming on the background, and I thought, what's going on here? And, we, and I, I couldn't see the actual Zoom screen where the chat was, but um, there were all these obscene, obscene comments on this chat. And only afterwards did I see it, because I had my notes covering the chat. And so um, somebody, um, these, and these they began to, um, this voice, whoever it was, began to say the most obscene things on as I was preaching. And so suddenly somebody said, let's just start praying in tongues. And I was listening to all this, and we started to pray in tongues. We st- I stopped preaching. And then there was silence. And this voice came back again. And I thought, no, we, people don't know how to respond to this. I, I've got to do something here. Some, we've got to stop this. And so this is at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's all dark around me, and Bill is sleeping, and I'm in the room next door. And we live in a gated community with you know, people quite close to us, a cluster home. And, and so something rose up inside of me. And I began to shout, and I said, you stop this now. And literally, this child's voice answered me. It was a demon who answered me. And I just said, you will not answer me, and you leave. And, and this voice, you could hear this voice um, speaking. And, and eventually, um, it left. It, it went. And we were able to. And I, I was preaching um, on certain things, and, and eventually it left, and, and we were able to get on with the meeting. But what I understood here is that um, our level of resistance, if I can put it this way, in these days is growing. Um, there's a resistance to the Word of God. There's a resistance to truth. You know, the one thing I'm seeing um, in the church I'm seeing in the world is that people don't want truth. The media don't want to hear the truth. All we just want is the media to say, this is how it is. This is, and I mean, um, uh, 
Nadine can testify to that. Um, you know, this is the situation, and this is the truth about it. There's, there's a dearth, of, the scripture says there's a dearth for truth, okay? People don't want truth. People, and, and we're finding this in the church as well as leaders. You know, you counsel people, they don't want to hear the truth. And, and so why? Because it's, it's the day that we're living in. And, and, and there's, um, there's a fight for truth. There's a fight for the truth of the Word of God. There's a fight for Emsi's health. There's a fight for your health. There's a fight for your destiny. There's a fight for, um, you know, the plan and purpose of God for your marriage. There's a, you, everyone here tonight is in a certain level of, if I can put it this way, warfare. Okay, there's a, Fight for your finances. There's a fight for your career. There's a, you know, businesses. So many people went under. Businesses went under with COVID. And, and why? Because the days are evil. The, this is the age that we're living in. There's a fight. There's a fight. There's a fight. And so, um, Paul is saying to the church here that, um, we should stand in the grace of God. Okay? During this time. He's, that's Romans 5, 2. We haven't written these down. But, um, secondly, we must stand in the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Um, we must stand in courage and strength, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Um, we must stand in faith, 2 Corinthians 1, 24. Um, we must stand in Christian liberty, which is Galatians 5, verse 1. We must stand in Christian unity, Philippians 1.27. We must stand in the Lord, Philippians 4 verse 1. And we should stand in perfect and complete, uh, in perfect perfection and completion in the will of God, Colossians 4 verse 12. So if he's telling us to stand and, and we are feeling just so weak, we you know, we're having to phone the leader or the pastor every day and, oh, I've got this problem still for 20 years or oh, I've got this, you know, and I just can't seem to get over it. Then there's something wrong internally. Then we don't understand, we, we, we don't understand our, if I can put it this way, personal warfare. There's a personal warfare that each one of us are going through. If we look at the early church and we see Paul in, in writing to the Galatians, the Ephesians, writing to the Corinthians, he was fighting for the church. You see, he was fighting for the establishment of the church. We're fighting for the church in South Africa, the voice of the church. I mean, if we have to be closed down, you know, there's, there, there's a war. I mean, we're in a war for our health. We, you know, we're in a war, you, your marriage, whatever it might be, your ministry, whatever, okay? So Paul is saying, continue to be strong, be strong, be strong. So how are we to be strong? <laughs> um, how did um, the early church get through what they did? How did the church in Corinth did get through what um, they did. How did the church in Ephesus get through? Okay. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 
So it's a very simple answer, <laughs> which most of us have missed in this day. Okay? He says here, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And why, why is the church, um, generally speaking, um, so weak? Why have leaders buckled? Why has the church in many places, why is the church closing down? Why do we find so many false prophets? Why do we find every second person is, calls themselves an apostle and, you know, every second leader? Why? Okay. It's because we haven't entered into a dimension in prayer that God is calling us to. And I believe tonight that the Lord is saying to Josh Jen that he wants to increase. He's given many, many words um, about the outpouring of his spirit. Amen. And every revival took place in the midst of prayer. You know, if, we, if you look at um, uh, the Brownsville revival, Apparently, people used to come, and they used to um, just pray two, three hours a day, and there was such a hunger, a hunger. And I believe that God is saying to this um, leadership tonight, he's saying to this um, um, movement that he wants to increase the level of prayer. He wants to increase the ministry of prayer. Prayer is not just for a few people, amen. Um, you know, it says in Matthew 21, verse 13, he said to them, it is written, he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And that's really what's happening in the New Testament. That's what's happening in South Africa today. You go to certain places, and, and really his house is a den of thieves. The practices that are taking place, you know, um, it's nothing but a den, den of thieves, it's nothing, the church has been um, renegated, um, I don't know if that's the, you know, to nothing, and, and, and so, um, what is he saying to you concerning your own life tonight? My house, I am the house, I am the temple, I want to make it a um, house of prayer, that's that's my calling, we, we called to move in the spirit, and I believe that God is saying to each one of us today that he wants to move us into a dimension of the spirit that we've never moved in before. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, the spooky spiritual stuff, but when demons um, confront you, would you know how to answer that demon? Would you know what to do? If Satanists are sent in here, how would we answer them? Um, do we discern um, what the enemy is bringing against us? And, and I just feel that the Lord is saying to Josh Jen as a movement that um, you're going to begin to move in the spirit in a new way, that there's going to come such an ease in the spirit. You, um, perhaps what took 10 years to build will take five years. What took five years will take a year. Why? Because there's such an open heaven, there's an ease of movement in the spirit. And, and, and um, um, I sense um, there's like a laboring, um, many are laboring here tonight. There's a laboring, there's a laboring, and, and, and the enemy is saying that, um, you know, we've got to keep this thing moving, we've got to keep this thing 
building. We've got to keep the momentum that and God is saying by his spirit, amen, by his spirit. And as there would come new times of prayer and fasting and a commitment just to pray, God is saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit, amen, because why um, this church hasn't reached its, its full um, complete fulfillment in the um, in terms of its mandate as a New Testament apostolic prophetic model for the church. Amen. And so, um, why are we failing? Why do we have um, lack of endurance? Why do people want to give up? Why are people not coming back to church? Because people don't know their God. You see, if we look at Daniel, he was one who. He knew his God. He knew his God. The scripture says um, um, Daniel knew his God, and therefore he did exploits. If ever we had to be put in prison, <laughs> think of it that way. You know, if, if you are put in your own personal prison and somebody starts attacking you, attacking your leadership style, attacking who you are as a person, you know, saying all these things against you and whatever, that's your personal prison. How, how do we respond? I mean, I think of MZ just as an example of um, somebody who um, has such endurance, somebody who knows her God. Truly, 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 somebody who knows her God and is convinced about what her God has told her and will not relent. We sang that song tonight about relenting. Tonight, are you relenting and 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 um, you know, moving backwards, or are you moving forwards into what God has told you to do? And so, um, the Lord has His hand on this movement, Amen. And what I'm seeing is that the Spirit is going to be poured out, but I'm seeing times of prayer that are going to be birthed by His Spirit, worship that's going to be birthed, getting back to the basics of the Book of Acts, because here's a, a here's a New Testament model that you feed one another, you um, worship together from house to house. You know, um, my food is your food and kitchen and whatever. Um, but, you know, um, but we, we've, we've got to see a greater dimension of the spirit. Amen. And so um, that's just basically what I feel the Lord is saying tonight. Would you like to come, Margo, and just play... Um, in the background. So, Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your grace upon us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. God is raising up a people in this day and this hour that truly know their God, that know him in the spirit. You see, it's one thing to confess Jesus and to know, um, you know, that you're born again, but do you know him experientially? Amen. Do you know the power of God experientially? That you, when you walk out here tomorrow and you're faced with situations that are coming against you, you know his power experientially. And, and, you know, Jesus said, I give you all authority to tread on these serpents, these scorpions, to um, stand against the powers of the enemy. I give you all authority. And, and that's why we're here this weekend is to take back that authority, to take back that land. The Roman Empire took so much land they were known for the infrastructure you know and the DA government is known 
for its good governance. When you come to Johannesburg, there's 90,000 potholes in the city of Johannesburg. Here, this is like the old South Africa, but you're living under a government with all these humanistic, secular, and it's going to continue like that. Okay, and we recognize that. But in this, do we know our God experientially? Do we know God that at the end of the month, that if I've only got 10 rand in my purse, that he will multiply my finances? That's the type of God that he wants us. That's the kind of relationship. And so, Lord, we just thank you today. Let's lift our hands. Father, we submit to your spirit tonight, Lord. We ask you, Almighty God, and that you would come and just unlock us tonight, Lord. Unlock your spirit, Lord, upon us, Lord. Unlock the power of the things of the spirit upon us, Lord. That as a congregation, that we would begin to see, Lord, that we would begin to <clears throat> experience, that we would know our God, that we would know is, is meaning experientially, intercourse. Father, we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you tonight that this congregation, Lord, that Josh Jen, as a movement, will begin to move in the realm of the Spirit like never before, Lord. I pronounce it and I decree it, Lord. Father, we say thank you. There will come a new strength. The Lord is saying that I'm going to unlock the realms of the Spirit. I'm going to open up the realms of the Spirit today. And as a people, you will move forward. You will know God in a new way. Amen. You will experience His power and His authority. We say thank you for that this day, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for your grace upon us. God is preparing and He's, he's wanting to take this, this movement into new depths and new hearts. And so there's going to come a burden of prayer. There's going to come a burden of worship. Amen. As people come and they lie prostrate and they seek and they seek and there's going to come a new hunger. The Lord says there's going to come a new hunger for the things of the Spirit. Amen. Father, we say thank you tonight. We say thank you. We receive it. We receive it. Let's just receive it. Father, we receive your Spirit upon us tonight, Lord. Father, we want everything that we can have, Lord. We want everything, a new dimension, Father. We want to move in the things of the Spirit like never before, Lord. We want a new hunger as, as your people, Lord. Pour out your Spirit on us, Lord. Pour out your Spirit. Pour, let signs and wonders flow, Lord. Father, where we've been passive, Lord, we break the power of that passivity tonight, Lord. Yes, we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. We say thank you, God. Father, we say thank you that we'll not just be spectators, Lord, but, Father, we will experience the fullness of your Spirit tonight. We say thank you, Almighty God. Yes, yes, we honor you, Lord. We honor you, we honor you, we honor you. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, we praise you. Let's praise him, amen. We praise you tonight. We praise you for your Spirit upon us, Lord. We praise you tonight for your spirit upon us. Come down, Holy Spirit. Come down, Holy Ghost. We ask you, Lord, shake us, Lord. Shake us. Wake us, Lord. Awaken things in us. God is going to awaken things in us tonight. Amen. An awakening, an awakening, an awakening. We thank you, Lord, for an awakening. A new awakening of his spirit in us. Amen. Lord, we receive it. We receive it tonight, Lord. We receive it. We receive it tonight. 
Father, we praise you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you, Almighty God. We thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just praise you. And Father, we just thank you. And Lord, I just thank you for Emma tonight. And just as I was praying today, and then the Lord says, daughter, know that even for the